When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Before we get started with today's episode, we just wanted to let you know that if you're interested in trying audiobooks or have been eyeing an Audible membership, maybe you can get two free audiobooks when you sign up for a free trial at bookriot.com audible. Most free trial offers for Audible that you'll find around the web only give you one download with your 30-day free trial, but we are giving you two. Audiobooks are a great way to work more reading into your life, whether it's during your commute, while you're cooking, at the gym, or whatever. So go to bookriot.com slash audible to sign up for your free trial and get two free audiobooks. This is the Get Booked Podcast, a weekly show for personalized reading recommendations. This is episode 170, and we are recording on February 25th. I'm Amanda Nelson, and I'm here with Emily Martin, and we are coming to you from Book Riot. Welcome! Hello! Emily is here. This is the first time you've never been on a podcast for us. Yet. Have you? No. No, I haven't. Okay. So this is Emily's first time on a uh, Book Riot show. Emily's a contributor of Book Riot. She's also a bibliologist for TBR. Um, and so if you've been listening to the show this month, you've heard us bring on a couple of the bibliologists to kind of show off their recommendation skills. If you haven't listened to any of the shows this month, then I'll just tell you that TBR is our new subscription service that offers tailored book recommendations for all kinds of readers. We've been calling it Stitch Stitch Fix for Books, which is basically what it is. Um, So when you sign up, you tell us your reading preferences, what you're looking for, and our bibliologists, who are contributors and staff people at Book Riot, handpick recommendations for you based on what you have asked for. So if you want to check it out, you can go to mytbr.co and sign up. I'll leave a link in the show notes. Um, You can sign up for hardcover, uh, a hardcover edition or um, digital, which is where we just email you the recommendations. So whatever works for you. is what you can sign up for. Uh, and so let's see, Emily, can you want to tell us a little bit about like what being a bibliologist is like? Um, so my favorite is doing hardcover orders because I feel like Santa Claus. Um, <laughs> like I like to imagine what it's going to be like when the books come in the mail. And I'm like, I don't know, there's something exciting about that. Full disclosure, I also subscribe at the hardcover <laughs> level so like I get I just like love getting books in the mail so um uh I like to imagine that whoever I'm sending the books to is like having that same experience or a similar one um I also I love how interactive TBR is so it's okay. not just that I'm getting these requests and filling them out and then they're just like sent out into a void um I love the fact that you're working with the same bibliologist every quarter. So I've been filling out orders for people, I think three times is the most so far, but Hmm. just sort of learning more about what they want every time and getting feedback and seeing, you know, like, Oh, I'm in the mood for this now. I had one subscriber who the first time she sent me a request, she was like, you know, I want to try more magical realism. And so I sent her that. And then she said, I think I realized I don't like magical. realism." (laughs) So um, she was like, let's go in another direction, you know, so that's kind of fun. Um, And it's fun just seeing how they respond to books that you really love. Like um, I offered or offered, I recommended Never Let Me Go to one guy who was like really into sci-fi, but like wanted to get into more like literary fiction. And I feel like that's a really good one. That's kind of both. 
Um, and he loved it. And it was just so exciting. So I was like, oh, this is one of my favorite books. I'm so glad that I made someone else read it. <laughs> but um, So yeah, it's, it's really fun and exciting, I think, um, on both ends. And it's been really exciting subscribing and getting books as well. So have you ever like accidentally been assigned your own request? Yes, I did. <laughs> and I was like, um, I mean, I will send myself three books, but yeah. maybe better if someone else did it. So. <laughs> Weirdly, this subscriber totally matches up to your taste. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's crazy. That's like, uh, that's great. I've wondered that before of like, because I know some of our contributors are signed up for TBR and like, do they ever get assigned to themselves? Because that would be hilarious. <laughs> yeah, I think you know, it was an accident. So, but yeah, that was funny. I was like, Oh, look, it's me. <laughs> <laughs> it me. Alrighty. So how the show works. Um, yeah, it's a recommendation show. As I mentioned, I always feel weird saying this part. Cause like I said it at the beginning, but it's fine. So you send us your reading recommendation request. If you need a recommendation for a book for your book club, or like you're going to France and you want to read a book about France or whatever, like you read Harry Potter and it's left this big hole in your heart and now you need something to fill it, we can help you with that. So you send us your reading recommendation request. You can email them to us at getbooktobookriot.com or you can drop them in the form, which is in the show notes, uh, the bottom of the show notes on the site. If either one, if you use either one and your question is time sensitive, please let us know. Like put it in the subject line of the email or put it in the first line if you use the form so that we can see it and, and answer it on time. We might email you back if we're not going to get to your question um, on time and it, is, and it is time sensitive, or if we've answered your question on the show uh, already uh, recently, then we will just email you back with a link to the relevant um, episode. So that is how the, the show works. I'm going to read our first question and then get to our first sponsor, and then we will roll on. Okay, question one is from Sarah, who says, a group of local women just started a new book club, and the idea is that each month the host will pick a book, and they'll also select a recipe to make that goes with the theme of the book, and the other members will bring complimentary sides and wine. When it's my turn to pick a title, I want to pick a book that would be fun, but also easy to find a main dish to pair with it. It would be great if the book had a lot of good in it. Please, nothing violent, dark, or steamy. Okay, so our first sponsor is Wednesday Books, specifically PC and Kristen Cast's book, The Disasters. So PC and Kristen Cast are number one New York Times bestselling authors of the House of Night phenomenon, which you've probably seen out in the world because it is a phenomenon. And now they're back with The Disasters, which is spelled with a Y, D-Y-S-A-S-T-E-R-S, -S if you're looking for it out in the world, which is the first in a new, the first in a new really action-packed paranormal fantasy series. So this is a world of like really earth shattering action, big romance plots. It's about a group of teens with supernatural abilities who start to question those abilities. Nothing is ever what it seems. Nature is totally taking control of this group of teenagers. And the tagline is really good. The wind can change everything and everyone. I don't know what that means, but like I'm into it. I'd like to find out. So go check out The Disasters by PC and Kristen Cast, wherever books are sold. Thank you for sponsoring the show. All right, I'm gonna keep talking. So we're looking for um, a book club book that's not super dark or violent that you can pair with like a good uh, meal. I picked Death Below Stairs by Jennifer Ashley, which might be a little on the nose because it is about a cook. Uh, it is a, a murder mystery. So I know you said nothing too violent, but it's not, it's pretty cozy. Like it, it's not um, graphic. The, the the violence, the murder happens off the page. So it's not like a thing you're w witnessing. And it takes place in Victorian England. So it is still kind of like prim in that way. And the main character's name is Kat. She's a young woman. She's a single mother and a cook. She takes a position in a mansion working for a guy named Lord Rankin. 
and uh, as like the head chef and she finds out pretty quickly that his household is like super weird his wife is very spacey and like uninvolved um her sister lives in the house and her sister is like a you know um a, what do they call it a blue stocking like she's a feminist which is weird in victorian england she wears men's clothes um and while Shakat is like getting adjusted to this life of cooking for this family and everything that that involves because they're all a little bit weird um she's one of her her uh what do you call it her assistant cook i guess one of the maids in the house is found murdered dead in like the parlor no the uh the um not the refrigerator because that wasn't a thing like the closet the pantry that's the word i'm looking for she's found dead in the pantry hey and so cat gets super involved in like figuring out who murdered this poor girl because she feels very protective of her staff and cat is super young for uh, a head chef she's like in her either late 20s or early 30s i don't remember um so she gets really involved in trying to figure this out all while also trying to like make these huge multi-course meals for the for the people who live in the house and all of their guests so there's a lot of talk of cooking in the book and it's all very like old-fashioned victorian these like game meats and um it is very meat heavy and like sauces and everything's like it just it's very tactile and all of the the descriptions of her cooking and like making this fresh bread and making coffee and tea it all just like it, you can smell it like it's very sensual in that way of like your literal senses are activated when you're reading and there are so many things in points in the book where she talks about what she's cooking that for your club I feel like you could just pick a page you know and find a recipe for whatever it is she's talking about and make that um and while they are like are you gonna make venison maybe no I don't know your life you might that could be fun uh but there are you know huge like whole fish fishes that are roasted and big legs of lamb and all this kind of stuff stuff that might not be like, it's not as typical as just going to the grocery store and getting a chicken. So I think there'll be a lot of interest in making one of these meals. But it's also, like, put it in the oven for three hours. Like, so it doesn't seem that heavy in the steps or labor. So that's Death Below Stairs by Jennifer Ashley. All right, Emily, your turn. Okay, so this book is one that gets picked for book clubs a lot. Um, it's pretty popular. So you've probably heard of it before. But I know a lot of people have heard of it and haven't read it. Um, so I'm going to recommend it to you. Uh, it's The Joy Luck Club by Amy Tan. Um, the reason I picked this book is, one, I really like Chinese food. So <laughs> I, I, I would love to imagine a book club just having like a Chinese food night where you try to make some Chinese food. But um, this book is about a group of um, four Chinese women in uh, 1949 who have recently immigrated to San Francisco and start meeting to have dim sum together and play mahjong and talk. Uh, a lot of their talk is about their daughters and just sort of um, learning how to be immigrants and dealing with their Americanized, in a lot of ways, daughters. Um, but yeah, food plays a really big part in their meetings. Um, and Amy Tan is just, to me, I, I really love her writing and this is one of her most popular books so if you haven't read any Amy Tan yet I highly recommend it and um, this is a really great book to start with and I think a really good book for book club because there's a lot of um, great discussion points going on here but yes you know try try your hand at dim sum if you've never made it before I think this would be a great opportunity to do that 
Yeah, my copy of this book, I'm, pr- I'm trying to remember, my copy of the Joy Luck, Co- Joy Luck Club has, like, book club discussion questions in the back. So it yeah. is very appropriate. It's very book club-y. So I, I know that I was like, oh, this seems like such an obvious answer. But also, mm-hmm. it's like, if you haven't thought of it, you, sh- you really should. Mm-hmm. So that's why I'm throwing it out there. So starting with Co-sign. a really obvious choice here. <laughs> <laughs> Cosign, though. Can you repeat yeah. the title and the author? The um, that's uh, The Joy Luck Club by Amy Tan. All right. Question two. Oh, this is you. Emily's going to read her second question. Oh, yes. Okay. So question two. Hello, longtime listener and lover of your show and Book Riot. Thank you. That was me. Uh, <laughs> my friend is getting to, to getting into reading, and she asked if I knew any good books about sharks. She throws a huge Shark Week party. She wants her book club pick in June to be in theme. Nonfiction and fiction are both welcome. Thank you. Purple-haired book nerd. Um. All right, I'll go ahead and go, because I also have a huge Shark Week party every year. (laughs) Like, a total dork. I have, like, themed food and What do you serve at a Shark Week party? So I I made, like, gosh, what did I do last year? I made a shrimp cocktail, obviously, um, and, like, a spinach artichoke dip where you can cut, like, red bell peppers in the shape of shark fins and put them in it to look like they're, like, swimming in the... That's um, in the dip it's very cute uh, I made a big I don't know what you call it, like a big pitcher of a cocktail called the shark bite which is like bonkers it's like blue curacao and pineapple juice and rum and then you put some grenadine in it so it looks like it's bleeding it's just nonsense and last year it was the year when like Michael Phelps was racing the great white shark and so I had a bunch of people over and anyway none of this is relevant I relate to your friend is what I'm saying yeah this um, seems like a cool party so yes yeah. super fun it was fun and nerdy and the best and my kids loved it so whatever uh i picked the meg because of course i picked the meg by steve alton if you have not seen the movie it's excellent viewing especially for a shark theme party and it is like surprisingly woke like jonas is the main character of the movie and the book obviously i'm talking about the movie here because the book is not nearly as woke and i just want to give you that warning um but In the movie, the Meg, like, all of the women are treated very respectfully, and every female character has agency and, like, their own individual arc, and it's just, it's just great, and it's silly and fun, and there's a giant shark in it, so I don't know what else you want out of life. The book is just as silly, not as respectful to its female characters, so if that's something that's going to bother you, maybe skip it, but it is super fun. Also, there are, there are chapters told from the perspective of the shark, and it is just the goofiest thing I have ever read and I could not stop reading it because it was so nonsensical and amazing at the same time. It's also very heavy on like weird shark facts. You know that thing that you get when you read, um, oh gosh, what's the name? Oh my gosh, the guy who wrote Jurassic Park. My brain is... Michael Uh, Crichton. Crichton. Yeah. Thank you. When you read Michael Crichton and he's just like shoving all the science that he possibly can into these these really fast-paced science fiction novels, this has got that same kind of thing going on. Like he's just shoving all the science that he can about megalodons into it. I don't know. I'm not even going to explain the plot to you, except to say that like a megalodon that has been asleep in the Mariana Trench gets free and, you know, terrorizes humans and whales because it's a big giant shark. Uh, But really go see the movie. Like read the book if you're dedicated, but go see the movie. Um, It's amazing. Okay. So that is The Meg by Steve Alton, which is the first in a series that continues on where like the Meg fights dinosaurs and stuff. It's just bananas and super fun okay i'm gonna stop talking kind of like kind of like godzilla in the ocean yes yes that sounds great 
It's so fun. <laughs> okay. Your um, turn. <laughs> okay. So my pick is a little bit different, but a little bit the same because it's also about a big giant shark. Um, it's Close to Shore, The Terrifying Shark Attacks of 1916 by Michael Capuzzo. I hope I'm saying that name right. Um, so if you like Jaws, these are the shark attacks that inspired the movie Jaws. And there have been a couple of nonfiction books written about uh, the shark attack. But I think that this is the best one. It kind of reads like a true crime novel of, or not novel, a true crime book about a shark. Um, you, it gets really deep into the history of this New Jersey in 1916 and the people there, um, which is really interesting as well. And it's just kind of crazy because um, before this attack, people weren't really afraid of great white sharks. So oh. this is kind of what started like this giant great white shark swam over into this really touristy area in New Jersey and started just attacking people. And people just like, didn't know to like be like looking out for a giant shark fin in the water like we do now. Um, and so, yeah, a lot of people got hurt and it's just kind of crazy. Um, so yeah, it's a uh, really cool and kind of terrifying because it actually happened. Um, so yeah. That's my recommendation. That's Close to Shore, The Terrifying Shark Attacks of 1916 by Michael Capuzzo. It's never occurred to me that there would be a time in, like, history where we weren't afraid of sharks. Yeah, like, it, it feels so pr- pr- like... primal. Yeah. <laughs> but, of course, uh, like, why would we? We weren't, like... I guess, I you know, the, the thing is, the likelihood of a shark attack happening when you're oh. in a really, like heavily populated touristy area of the ocean is pretty low. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I guess at the time we didn't know, we didn't think about that as a possibility. And now it's still not very likely to happen, but it has happened. And so mm-hmm. people, I mean, I'm terrified of the ocean. I'm just going to be mm-hmm. honest because you just never know. That's true. <laughs> it, it doesn't happen that often, but it could. So, <laughs> um, yeah. All right. Well, good luck with your shark party. That sounds fun. Yes, it is fun. All right, question three is from Julie, who says, my best friend's getting her PhD in climate science and has generally had her head buried in academic journals. However, she's got a soft spot for Harry Styles and really likes books about famous musicians, actors, or princes meeting and falling in love with normal girls. She's read Public Relations, Backstage Pass, and the Unidentified Redhead series. Do you have any other recommendations? Okay, I picked A Princess in Theory by Alyssa Cole, which is the first in her Reluctant Royals series, um, it's a romance series. You don't have to read it in order, but this first one I think will most especially appeal to her because the main character is a grad student in a science field. I think it's bacteriology. I don't remember. It has something to do with like public health and germs. Um, the main character's name is Nalidi. She is a former foster kid. She's like aged out of the system. She's supporting herself through grad school. Uh, and she is like crazy busy, right? Like she's got a job. Um, as a caterer, she's working, she's got a job in a lab, she's taking classes, all of this stuff is happening. And at the same time, she keeps getting these emails telling her that she is betrothed to an African prince, um, which she immediately deletes, right? Because we've all gotten those like, this prince of Nigeria needs your help kind of emails. Um, and so she's getting this email that Prince Thabiso, who is the heir of the throne of Thasolo, which is in the in the book, um, 
a real country, but in reality, not a real country. And so she just keeps deleting them and is like getting more and more annoyed by these really persistent emails. Um, turns out they're real. <laughs> and Prince Tabiso like is actually the sole heir to the throne of this country. And unbeknownst to Naledi, who has spent most of her childhood in a foster care system because her parents died in a car accident when she was very young, um, she is actually from that country. And she was betrothed to the prince at a very young age, but she has no memory of any of this. And when her parents died, they came to the U.S. under questionable circumstances, so she doesn't know anything about who she is at all. Um, And so the prince comes to the U.S. like looking for this woman who he's been betrothed to forever um, because the other needs to, excuse me, he needs to like find her and get married or break it off so he can move on and marry someone else. Um, and he finds her and realizes that she doesn't know who she is or who he is or have any like knowledge of the situation. So he pretends to be a quote unquote commoner, like to get to know her. And of course they fall for each other a little bit, but then she finds out who he is and everything blows up. And I'm not going to give any more, give away any more of the plot, but it is very much a woman who has, who's very ambitious, has her own career goals, um, very scientific, doesn't take any crap from people, who finds out that she's secretly engaged to a prince. <laughs> and like, what is she supposed to do with that information? Uh, she likes him, but he also lied to her for like several weeks about who he is. So there's all of that to deal with. It's very fraught, but it's also like super fun. And I haven't read a lot of romance novels with a heroine who's into STEM. So I really loved that aspect of this book. So that's A Princess in Theory by Alyssa Cole. Yeah, I recently sent this book to my cousin because she's really into romance. And I've heard that this is, I haven't read it yet, but I actually want to read it because I've heard that it's a really good romance uh, novel for people who don't even usually like romance. Mm -hmm. So it seems like maybe that's, this is going to be my entry point. We'll see. Um, Yeah, I would agree with that. It's a good starting place for people new to the genre. So my pick is, it seems to me like your friend really needs some, like, junk food. Yes. <laughs> and to me, um, the selection by Kira Cass is, it's the, be- it's the beginning of a series. Um, it's a YA series, and it's just, like, really delicious junk food, which, like, sometimes you just need to read <laughs> a, a junk food novel. Um, I, I would describe the selection as a cross between Hunger Games and The Bachelor, and I'm a huge fan of The Bachelor. I actually write Bachelor recaps, so, like, I'm all here for The Bachelor. Um, I think we need more books that are kind of like The Bachelor, actually. But anyway, um, this is in this dystopian world uh, where the prince is um, given 35 girls who then compete for his hand. They're 35 commoners. Um, and his name is Prince Maxon, which is, like, such a... I don't know, like YA fantasy name to me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, and our hero's name is America Singer. So we're told the the story is told to us from the perspective of America Singer, who um, is a commoner who gets the call to be one of the thirty five um, eligible bachelorettes for Pr- Prince Maxon to choose from. She doesn't really want to go because she kind of has a thing going on with a guy back home, but there's this whole class system and you're not really supposed to date outside your class unless of course you're going to marry the prince. Um, but he's of a lower class than she is. So there's a sort of like a forbidden love anyway. Um, and then, so she goes it, of course, it would be wonderful for her family if she got this. So she has some sort of obligation. She has an obligation to do it, even though she doesn't want to. But she's not really expecting much. And then, of course, she goes and 
um, starts to develop a friendship with Maxon that could potentially turn into more. Um, and this is just the first book in a series. So, of course, things get complicated. Of course, there's a love triangle. It's, you know, YA romance or there has to be a love triangle. So I guess I do read some romance because I read YA romance. Uh, um, <laughs> but um, for some reason, I think of that as like a totally different genre. Um but yeah, so this this is definitely a case of commoners and royalty falling in love. Uh, and if you enjoy it, there are several books to read. So you'll be set for a while or your friend will be set for a while. So yeah, these books are just really fun. And that's um, The Selection by Kira Cass. All right, your turn. Oh, okay. Um, all right, so this one is from Sarah. She says, I love the movie The Fifth Element, and I'd love to read books with that same feel. I read over 100 books a year from all genres, so I would really be interested to see if you could pick something completely new to me. If you want to see what else I've read, I'm... Oh, well, I don't read that part, I guess. shouldn't read that part. Oh, yeah. Um, okay. Yeah, that's yeah, She just gave us her Goodreads link. We're not yeah. going to give it to all y'all. y'all we're not going to give that out to everyone. <laughs> I, know, I know you're curious, but that's for us. But anyway, yes. So books okay. like Fifth Element. Yeah. Um, I love this question because I love the fifth element. Every time I yes. watch it, I feel like it's just, I, I'm noticing a theme here in this show that I really appreciate well done campiness. Like yes. the fifth element is so campy, but it takes itself so seriously that you're like, you're just so along for the ride. And it, it totally holds up and I will bear no argument against it. Anyway, um, I picked The Long Way to the Small Angry Planet by Becky Chambers, which I was concerned that like I could not mention this book again on the show. Um, but it's a new year, so I can talk about whatever I want. Hey, um, okay, so The Long Way to a Small Angry Planet is a science fiction novel. It, I've seen it described around the internet as like cozy sci-fi because it's not super violent and it's very much about interpersonal relationships and in this book the, the the persons in the interpersonal relationships are not all human which i think is a point from um the fifth element that i really liked is like not all the characters in the fifth in the fifth element are humans um and some of them are don't don't like they're not designed to look like humans either um and you still get to know them and appreciate them and, and all that so rosemary is the main character of the long way to a small angry planet uh, and she joins a crew of the Wayfarer, which is this, like, really old, patched-up spaceship. The crew is, like, very motley. Like, when you think of the words motley crew, not the band, but, like, the actual words, this is the group of creatures and people and whatever that should occur in your brain. Um, Rosemary is, like, trying to get away from some stuff in her past. So she signs up. She joins up with the crew. And their job is to tunnel wormholes through space so that other planets... Um, so that you can, like, you know, travel uh, between planets. And they get involved in this, like, it's like a, a conspiracy kind of, I'm not going to go into it because it's very plot heavy, um, but they get they get involved in this big, intra, like, intergalactic, interplanetary adventure, all the while um, supporting each other and, like, romances happen and fall apart and, like, prejudices are explored and abandoned. Um, and there's just a lot of, stuff going on between the people on the ship while at the same time, you know, like the earth might be coming to an end question mark, but also who stole my toothbrush. We're going to talk about it. Like that's the kind of stuff, like the, the everyday annoyances of just like living with a group of people, some of whom you don't really like who, but who you can't get away from because you're on a spaceship. Um, and I think that the fifth element has a lot of that. Like it's a very rock and roll adventure, which 
uh, Small Angry Planet is also. Um, but really, like, Lilu Dallas Multipass <laughs> and Corbin, <laughs> it's, it's a story about the two of them, right? Um, and the ways that people need to learn to appreciate each other. Um, and that's really the overarching theme of the Becky Chambers book also. So that is The Long Way to Small Angry Planet by Becky Chambers. Um, okay, so my one of my best friends, his favorite book is The Fifth Element. So, I mean, not book, movie, whatever. Uh, his favorite <laughs> movie is The Fifth Element. So this is actually something I've thought about a lot already. <laughs> um, but I went with Snow Crash by Neil Stevenson. And I recommend this book a lot for a lot of different reasons. Um, but the reason that I'm recommending it here is that the thing I cling to with The Fifth Element is how it's it's cyberpunk, but it's not like serious it's kind of like wacky uh and that's what i think of snow crash being as well it's sort of like this it's very heavily it's a very like heavily built world if that makes sense um it's very well imagined it's really different from the world we live in and yet in some ways it's not um but it's this crazy futuristic world everything is extremely privatized um and uh, everything has become so uh, built up that basically New York City to um, Atlanta is like one giant metropolis area. Um, so, I mean, like this is it's possible that could happen, but it's also like pretty intense. Um, so the hero in this novel is named hero protagonist. So I think like right away you can tell like, <laughs> this book isn't taking itself too seriously. He's a pizza delivery guy. Um, but, you know, he also has this alternate self in the metaverse where he is a warrior prince. So you might also see there might be some parallels to something like um, Ready Player One here. But I think Snow Crash is a much better book than Ready Player One. Hot take. Um, this book is extremely funny. Um, he is battling this computer virus that's striking down hackers and he's sort of this like hero in the metaverse, but in the real world, he's just kind of this loser delivery guy who lives in a storage space. Um, so it's really bizarre. It's really unlike any other book I've ever read before and it doesn't take itself too seriously. Um, and for these reasons, I see some parallels to The Fifth Element that I, I think you might enjoy. And I did check out your Goodreads and I saw it's not on your radar yet. So <laughs> I did peep that Goodreads. I think you should check <laughs> this one out. So that's no, that's the Snow Crash by Neil Stevenson. I love this book so much. I also checked your Goodreads and the Becky Chambers novel was on your TBR. So I'm, I'm just fingers crossed that you haven't moved it off your TBR, but it was still on TBR. Yeah. Uh, your to be read list. list. You know, yeah. Move it up. <laughs> okay. So before we continue, I'm going to talk about our second sponsor and it is Devil's Daughter by Lisa Claypis, who we all, all romance readers know that name. So this is the Ravenels meets the Wallflowers. These are like two classic kind of romance series that cross over in this latest book from Lisa Claypis, which this time features Sebastian. So if you are like a trope watcher and you want to know what trope is really being explored here, it's enemies to lovers. The main character's name is Phoebe. And she knows that Wes Ravenel is this like mean, horrible person who's who made her late husband's life totally miserable back when they were in boarding school. So she like is out in society, just like quietly hating this dude and like never wanting to see him. But then 
she meets a dashing and charming stranger at a family wedding. I wonder who it is. And she is shocked, I tell you, to discover that it's this man who she has, like, sworn to hate forever because she really loves her ex, her late husband, and he was horrible to him. Um, now, West knows that he's, like, not a super nice guy. This is the thing he knows and has accepted about himself. But he doesn't believe in making apologies for past mistakes. He doesn't believe in making excuses for who he is or was or whatever. Um, so he, like, you know, there's this clash here. Except, of course, they're both hopelessly drawn to each other at the same time that they both kind of want to strangle each other a little bit. Um, and Will Phoebe, who is passionate and doesn't put up with any guff from this guy, change his, like, complete stubborn inability to admit that he was maybe kind of a jerk back way back when. We'll see. I bet you could guess. I bet you could. So that's Devil's Daughter by Lisa Kleypas. Go check that out. Thank you for sponsoring the show. All right. Question five is from Cindy, who says, um, let's see. My request is for a book telling the exact same story, but from different points of view, so that everything you thought about what was happening changes. I've read Gone Girl and The Summer House, but any other ones you could come up with would be great. Okay. I picked Fates and Furies by Lauren Groff, which is my favorite book that does this. This, like, you get one perspective find out what's going on, and then in the middle, you switch to a different perspective and realize everything that you thought that was happening is total crap, and that's exactly what happens <laughs> in this book. In the, persp- in the like, um, I'm making this, like, weird circle motion. In the, <laughs> contained within a marriage. That's what I'm trying to say, contained within a marriage. So Lotto and Matilda are the two main characters. They meet in college, um, and L- Lotto is this, like, golden boy, right? Like, he comes from a really wealthy family in Florida, Everybody loves him. He's charming. Um, and he is, uh, like, really handsome. He's got, got all this money. He's completely mediocre, but he's handsome and rich and white and a man, so that kind of becomes irrelevant. And he, they leave college. They get married. He leaves college, they, and he becomes a famous playwright. And, you know, like, they struggle with the things that you struggle with in your marriage of having kids or not to have kids, um, her career and how it is necessarily or not necessarily subsumed by his growing fame, um, attraction to other people, you know, just like the stuff, the stuff that people navigate when they have committed themselves to someone forever at a very young age. And so you see that all of that happening from Lotto's point of view uh, in the first half of the book. And then in the second half, you get Matilda's perspective going back from when they first met when they were in college to now. And you realize that basically everything that you thought was true about kind of charming, bumbling, talented Lotto is not true. (laughs) And I don't want to spoil it. Like, I don't want to tell you the big reveal or whatever, so I'm not going to. But um, it reminded me a lot of Gone Girl, where you start off really sympathetic to Nick. And while Amy in Gone Girl is like a total sociopath and like not necessarily to be sympathized with, you realize eventually that not everything that Nick is presenting to you is correct, is like accurate or an accurate reflection of who he is. So that's Fates and Furies by Lauren Groff. So the book that I'm recommending does this a little bit differently than like Gone Girl and Fates and Furies. I haven't read The Summer House, so I don't know, but I really haven't read any books that have done what this book has done exactly. So it really works for me and I'm hoping that it will work for you. And that's the sun is also a star by Nicola Yoon. Um, so the plot of this book is pretty simple. Just um, it's about a girl named, uh, where is her name? I got to remember. <laughs> a girl I'm so named bad Natasha. At there we go. <laughs> Natasha. Um, she's very um, practical. She's a science girl. She's into facts. Um, 
she doesn't believe in love. She doesn't believe that dreams come true. She's not into any of that fate destiny stuff. Um, on top of all of this, she just learned that her family, she and her family are illegal immigrants, and she's just learned that they're probably going to get deported um, and everything she's ever known. Because she's grown up in America. Everything she's ever known is going to be taken away from her. So she's not really in a place to just like throw caution to the wind and fall in love. Um, and this, the majority of this book takes place in one day. And she's trying to like figure out how to um, save her family from having to leave the country. And meanwhile, she meets Daniel, who um, is, you know, so his family kind of wants him to be like the good student and to like go on to do big things. But like he is more of like an an artist poet type um, and a romantic on the inside. And that's kind of like his real self. Um, and he meets Natasha and sort of like immediately finds this connection with her and she's not having any of it. Um, and uh, he basically tells her like, spend the day with me. And by the end of the day, I will get you to fall in love with me. Um, and I kind of just talking plot wise, it was kind of interesting for me because at the beginning of this book, I was also skeptical. I was like, I don't like this seems kind of dumb. I don't know. Mm -hmm. But by the end of this book, I was crying. Aww. And I was like, <laughs> that thing that he said he was going to do for her, he did to me. <laughs> so it, it worked for me in that way. But the reason that I'm suggesting it to you for this particular request is not only do we switch back and forth from Daniel and Natasha's perspective and kind of see the same things happening from two very different point of views, we also get the perspectives of other people that they interact with in the world. For instance, one of the ones that was most moving to me is we see this really brief interaction with Natasha and a security guard. And like to her, it doesn't mean very much. She's just she's just pleasant to the security guard and then just goes about her day. But then we flip and we see it from the security guard's perspective. And like that one moment changed her life. Um, and it's just kind of interesting because it's pointing out um, the different ways that we can affect people both positively and negatively and not even realize it. And I found that very moving. Um, and and there are lots of different interactions like that, um, lots of different strange perspectives that we see that we wouldn't necessarily expect. Um, and we see these same scenes happen from different perspectives throughout the novel. So it's not like we see the story and then we go back and see it all over again. It's like a continuous switching. Um, so that's different. But I also found it. Um, really effective, obviously, since I cried at the end. <laughs> but, um, and I just recently went to see a movie with my mom and I the trailer for this movie came up and like my mom was trying to talk to me during the trailer because she's a movie talker. And I was like, I smacked her and I was like, not hard, you know, but I was like, I want to see this, you know? Um, so like, obviously, like, I really love this book. I was surprised by how much I loved it. Um, and like, based on the plot, you might to it either I don't know but I would definitely give it a try because I thought it was really special and that's The Sun is Also a Star by Nicola Yoon. All right you're up. Oh yes okay um so this is from Stephanie. Stephanie says the past year I've been dealing with a bad relapse of my depression and I've been 
let me let me start that over again. Uh, the past year, I've been dealing with a bad relapse of my depression, and I've tried reading a lot of self-help, inspirational, and soul-searching books. But my problem is that so many of them are too happy for me that I can't relate enough. I did really love hyperbole and a half, but I would like something a little deeper, like a grumpy, grumpy cat person living <laughs> their best life, just making it through. Yes. Um, Yes, I totally get that, by the way. (laughs) Grumpy Cat Living Their Best Life is absolutely a book I would read. (laughs) Yes, that's a total mood. I get it. (laughs) All right. So I picked, I like kind of latched on to the self-help part of your question. So I picked a very self-helpy book that I can't say the name of on the show. It's Un-F Your Habitat by Rachel Hopman, Um, except the F is spelled out, so... There you go. Unduck your habitat. Yeah. But not duck. You know what I'm saying. Um, It'll be in the show notes. It'll be in the show notes. So this is a book about cleaning, right? Like on the surface. But Hoffman's whole point here is that most books about organizing, adulting, getting your crap together, you know, cleaning your house are written for people who are able-bodied and who often have partners in the home who can help them. Um, and who aren't working two or three jobs uh, and, you know, ignore basically anyone who isn't a partnered, able-bodied, mentally well person with spare time. Uh, and so she wanted to write a book. It started out as a Tumblr, actually, and then was a book. And I think it has an app. But she wanted to write a book that didn't ignore everyone else who exists on the planet. Um, so it is about cleaning. It is about, like, adulting and getting organized and getting your life in a, into a manageable shape that you can continue to maintain. But from the perspective of, you know, single people who work full time, people with, uh, who have, who have roommates, um, people without partners, people with mental illnesses or physical disabilities that prevent them from being able to do these like marathon cleaning sessions that a lot of these books about adulting, quote unquote, you know, tell you to do. And she isn't ignoring the fact that a lot of these things are difficult to navigate, especially if you have depression or anxiety. Um, and so to her, it's, it's very like manageable. She breaks down cleaning into like 20 minutes of cleaning, 10 minute breaks. She doesn't let you go on these huge daunting tasks that are so big, like that they're automatically overwhelming, you know, like get your finances in order. That's not what she's doing here. It's like, find your debit card, you know, like very broken down into small manageable steps that make you feel like you can actually continue to do the things that she's telling you to do. Um, so I don't know that, I don't know that it's necessarily like an inspirational book. Um, it's not grumpy cat living their best life really. Um, but it is self-help. It is about organizing and feeling on top of the stuff that's happening in your life. Um, without ignoring the fact that a lot of people, most people I'd even say are not in the position that traditional organizational books assume that everyone is in when they tell you how to get your stuff together. So that's un-F your habitat. And the subtitle I really love, it's You're Better Than Your Mess. And it's by Rachel Hoffman. Um, I went an entirely different direction with this, although that book does sound great. <laughs> um, so I chose a, a memoir that I read recently. It's Furiously Happy by Jenny Lawson. Um, and Jenny Lawson is a humor writer. Um, and she's written, I think, one other book. Mm. I don't know. She's I written think so. Other books. There's like a sequel. Yeah, right. She's written other books, but this one is special or it's different than the other ones in that it focuses more specifically on her battle with anxiety and depression. Um, but she writes about it in a humorous way. However, 
it's not like a happy humorous way it's not like hit you over the head like everything is going to be fine like she'll straight up say like things are not fine today it's not gonna be fine so like to me she is the epitome of grumpy cat trying to live her best life and making it through um like a taxidermied grumpy cat Yes, <laughs> a taxidermy grumpy cat. She's very quirky, but not like in an annoying way. Um, <laughs> I also listen to this on audiobook. So if you enjoy audiobook, it it works really well as an audiobook. Um, and yeah, I just as as someone who also uh, often is dealing with bouts of depression, I found her take on it very refreshing and mm. not. I don't know. never telling me like oh like just get over it or like this is how like I got over my depression it's just sort of like no sometimes you have to live with it and this is how it is and like it's just like about dealing with the world in your depression rather than just like here's how to make it better um, which I appreciated and that's furiously happy by Jenny Lawson All right, our last question is from Elizabeth, who says, I'm starting an audiobook club at the library where I work and need some help planning out what to read the first year. I want a mix of fiction, mysteries, science fiction, fantasy, thrillers, etc., nonfiction, adult, YA, and even juvenile, but with a focus on characters and authors that are LGBTQ+, own voices, or people of color. And nothing longer than eight hours, please. I'm afraid I'll scare them away if I do anything longer at first. You probably will. That's a good good note. (laughs) Um, Okay, so I picked Not Your Sidekick by C.B. Lee, which is eight hours exactly. Like, exactly. I'm so happy about this. And this is um, science fiction, fantasy. It's kind of a comic booky sort of novel. And it is own voices for queer characters. And um, the main character is Asian. Her name is Jessica Tran. And this is like a... um, near future kind of post-apocalyptic book it's YA uh where I don't think I don't think they go into a lot of detail about like what the apocalypse is that happened exactly but what has happened is that people have superpowers like superpowers are super common haha get what I just did there um and Jessica is comes from a family of superheroes her parents are both superheroes her sibling is showing that she's gonna have some superpowers Jessica's not really shown any uh, superpower abilities. And so she's just kind of going about her life. She's in, she goes to high school, she comes home, she has friends, like that's kind of it. And so she takes an internship um, that's paid in order to like beef up, beef up her college applications. Uh, and bonus, it means working with her longtime secret crush, whose name is Abby. But then she finds out that who she's actually working for is the town's most like reviled supervillain who has been in really public uh, fights with her parents but she keeps working there because crush did I mention Abby super cute thank you Uh, and also she uh, the more she works there the more she realizes that like this narrative of you know x person is a superhero and y person is a supervillain is maybe a little bit more complicated than that and like the things that these supervillains have been doing in the town to like disrupt law and order might actually be motivated by helping people who aren't necessarily like paid attention to by the folks who are very, you know, into law and order. So it gets more and more complicated, like ethical questions. Um, And it's also just like super fun, (laughs) like teenagers and superheroes and crushes in high school, but big, huge ethical questions that I think it's a really good pick for a book club, in my opinion, because all of these questions are so open-ended and like hard you, you like there's no one answer 
and they're very conversation driving. So when you meet to talk about it, um, I think people will have a lot to say. So that's Not Your Sidekick by C.B. Lee, which is the first book in a series. And the second one is out. I think the third one might even be out. Um, and each book takes on one of her best friends as the main character. So it's super fun. Yeah. So that's Not Your Sidekick by C.B. Lee. I'll stop talking now. Um, so I picked something different than that, but um, also a book that I think gives you a lot of talking points for a book club. Um, and that's The Man in My Basement by Walter Mosley, the audiobook. And I did listen to this on audiobook, so I can recommend it. Um, it's five hours and 15 minutes, so it's a nice short listen. Um, this is not your usual Walter Mosley novel. If you've read any of his other work, he's normally more of a crime fiction author. I don't think that I would call this crime fiction. It's something very different. Um, basically, it's about a um, black man named Charles Blakely who is struggling to um, pay his mortgage. He's um, struggling to keep a job. Um, he's just struggling in general. Um, and then randomly a stranger shows up on his doorstep and offers him a bunch of money uh, to uh, rent his basement and stay in a locked cage down there. Um, it's, it's a rich white man. Um, so there's a lot of uh, racial tension happening in this novel. Mm. And also just like, uh, how do you say no to a strange white, rich white man coming to your door and offering to like solve all your money problems? All he wants to do is like lock himself like in a cage in your basement. Like, <laughs> I don't know that I could say no to that, but also that's really creepy. Mm. <laughs> so, um, you know, it's it's just a very strange situation that Blakely finds himself in. Um, he's, as this guy is living in his basement, he's learning more about him and, like, what kind of person would actually, like, want to do this. Um, and, yeah, it just brings up a lot of questions about um, race relations and class um, that I think could be really interesting. And it, it does a lot for a very short story. So um, that's why I wanted to recommend it to you. That's Man in in my basement by Walter Mosley. Also just, I wanted to give a quick shout out. Um, Born a crime by Trevor Noah is eight hours and 45 minutes, but it is such a good audiobook. So I just want to throw that in there as well. It might be a little bit long, so I didn't want to make that my main recommendation, but if you haven't listened to that book, it's just like, you have to listen to it on audiobook. You shouldn't read it. You should listen to it. Um, so I just feel like it would be great for an audiobook club. All so, right. That's our show. Oh, Hooray. Yay, we did. <laughs> thank you for being on and helping us out here, Emily. And thank all of you for listening. Please go leave us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. It makes the show a bit easier to find when people are looking for it. Thank you to our sponsors for sponsoring the show. You can find us on social media. I'm mostly on Instagram these days at I'm Amanda Nelson. Emily, do you have a place where folks can find you? Yes, um, I'm on Twitter and Instagram at, at M and her cat. That's E-M and her cat. Um, it's because I post <laughs> pictures of my cat a lot. So, you know. It's amazing. All right. We will talk to you all next week. All right. Thanks for having me.